What's up, people? It's your favorite podcast duo back again. I am your co-host, Alex Newt, uh, here with the No Bull podcast. We are joined tonight by a very, very special guest, a very longtime friend of mine. Um, super excited to have her on. Can't wait for you guys to all hear her story. Um, it is literally incredible. It's inspirational. Um, I think you guys will get a lot out of this today. Um, so sit back, relax, enjoy, and uh, welcome uh, to the podcast, Lauren. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, Lauren, welcome, welcome. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on here. I know we met through through Alex uh, a couple of months ago, well, kind of at the beginning of this year. Um, and so to develop a friendship with you has been has been a pleasure. Um, so thank you. Your story is it's very empowering. It you you've overcome a lot, and to be as successful as you are, um, it speaks a lot about you and kind of how you grew up and stuff. So uh, talk about that, like as Growing up uh, with your parents and where did you get strength? Where did you become like, you're very persistent. Where did all that come from? <laughs> I am very <laughs> persistent. I a little bit aggressive. I, you know, some of it I think is innate. Like I think I had a very aggressive, strong personality as a little girl. Um, and then my parents never really discouraged it. I, my dad used to have a smirk on his face when he used to tell his friends, the only person I'm scared of is my, my daughter. <laughs> like, you know, I was very, I was never afraid to speak up and stand up for myself, whether it be my parents or whoever. I was always very outspoken. Um, so I think some of that's innate. And then I think it was fostered by my parents as well. They encouraged me to be outspoken and they encouraged me to be myself. And they, they liked the fact that I was a little bit tough and had a little bit of an attitude I think I think they they found, got a kick out of it so I, I think it's part of my personality that that kind of boldness and and um aggressiveness and I like sports so I was always aggressive in sports too I was I was like I was kind of a dirty player like I was the girl who would like push somebody around a little bit when the rest weren't looking and then the girl would get mad and do something to retaliate and then they, they would get called and I was like oh. <laughs> you know what happened so um so yeah so I think it's just kind of part of part of who I am for better I yeah I love that so it, it's like it's an, an innate ability like just like it's it's like just within you always for, even from a young age obviously yeah yeah um, yeah I mean right, the, obviously, yeah, I got yeah. I got into casting from going to hockey games with my dad and how I started going to hockey games is my dad brought my brother or bought my brother uh, tickets to the Rangers game and just bought a ticket for him and my brother. And I go, excuse me, do you think because I'm a girl that I don't want to go? And I was six. And my dad was like, all right, then. <laughs> you know? Um, so even at that young age, I had that kind of, um, that little bit of toughness to me. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I love that. I, I was going to um, ask, I mean, part of you kind of already alluded to it. Um, but, you know, I see you on Facebook. Uh, you're super close with your parents. You have a, an amazing relationship with them. Um, but like, I guess go into more like, you know, how much do you think that affects, you know, just people in general? Um, but really, how did it affect your childhood and, you know, really even more kind of weave you into the person you are today? You know, I think in the, in the moment when I was a child, I didn't, I didn't know anything else. But as I've gone through a lot of things in my life and had different experiences and 
come out on the other side of that, I question why am I okay? Why am I okay and someone else isn't okay? Why have I responded this way and someone ha else hasn't responded this way? And I've done a lot of reading about resilience and a lot of it stems from feeling secure and loved in that first 20 years of your life. And I have felt um, tremendous amount of love from my parents every single day of my life. And, and you know, sometimes I'm moody and like grumpy and I take it out on them and they just, they're just always graceful and loving. And, you know, how can I help you? What can I do? And even, you know, my dad likes to shop and, and I went to a school for two years where kids were extremely wealthy and, and my family didn't have that kind of money. And we were walking around a store one time and my dad said, you know, I'm sorry, I can't buy you all the things that other kids at your school have, like ridiculous stuff. Like these kids had like Chanel purses, whatever. And I said, dad, and I'm 15, 16 years old. I'm like, I don't care if you buy me stuff. I just love that you're there to watch me try stuff on. And I think that was really, you know, thinking back emblematic of how I felt about my parents' relationship. I never cared about like the things, buying me things or anything material. I just appreciated how much attention I got and how much time I got for them. I, they just were, they were just always there. Every soccer game, every lacrosse game, every night for dinner. I just got so much time and attention and I felt extremely loved. And I think that that made me more secure as a, a person. I think it made me more resilient. Um, and I do think as a, a teenager, I was more confident. Um, you know, I remember the first time I was offered drugs, I was 13 and we were, we went to these boys house and the two girls I was with knew that they all smoked weed and that they were going to ask us to smoke. And we all said, we're going to say no together. Right. Like we're, we're not going to do it. We were, you know, we were young. I was still, I think I was still in eighth grade and they were, they were a year older and the boys were a year or two years older. So we walk over there and the guy asked the first girl, Hey, you want to smoke? And she was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and the guy asked the second girl and she was like, Hey, Hey, do you want to smoke? And they were like, she was like, uh, okay. And then they asked me and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to smoke. No, like what's everyone doing? <laughs> and I was the youngest person there. And I'm the only one who said no. And they're like, come on, Lauren. I'm thinking like, we just made up like a, a deal, like no. And to this day, I've never smoked. I've never tried a drug. And, and that's how I was. I was never afraid to be different than everyone else. I was never afraid to go my own way or make my own decisions. I, I never feared um, I never tried to fit in. And I think that comes from the way my parents, you know, were with me and, and making me very feel confident and feel very loved and always building up my self-esteem and always saying nice things about me. And to this day, my parents are still like, oh, you're smart. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. Like they're just, you know, complimentary and, and build me up a lot. And I think that really gave me confidence, um, and kind of, enhance that like innate personality of boldness and, and aggressiveness and, and kind of just um, pushed it along. So I think that, you know, it made me more resilient, made me more confident and, and made me, I think, happier. Yeah. No, for sure. That, that's, I, I love that. <laughs> like, I, you know, I have a, I, I say this every episode about, I love, I have, I have a daughter and, and hearing you say like, I don't, you know, I don't care. You you can't buy me everything. I'm just glad you you're here to watch me try it on. That that really hits home. I love that. Um, but to go to your point about you know you're you're really persistent. You you have a strong work ethic. Um, 
that that all led you to have a very and we're going to get into your story here in a second but i want to talk about your 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 career right your sports journalism career um you you're seven time emmy nominated which is huge um, how did how did being like how did you get into that career and then how did being a woman in sports kind of did you need that resilience did you need that persistence to kind of succeed at that yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so my dad took me to hockey games and I, I loved going to hockey games and I was also really athletic. Uh, I was actually voted, voted most athletic in high school and I would have played in college um, had I not lost a lot of weight my senior year. I was recruited to play division one soccer, but um, yeah, I, I love sports. My dad took me to hockey games and one day we were at a game. It was the year after the, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. So I was 10 years old and I, this woman came up to us and was like, Hey, I have an extra seat front row, just one. And you, I saw, you know, you're with your dad. I used to, I was a little girl that used to go with my dad. You want to sit there? And I was like, peace out, dad. <laughs> like, this is the playoffs. Like I'm, I'm moving on up. So I go to sit with this woman. We actually found an extra seat nearby for my dad, but I started talking to her and she was an executive for ABC sports. And I planted in my, my head, this idea that like I could get paid to go to sporting events and just like talk about them. And I just thought that was the best career idea ever. So at 10 years old, I was determined to become a sportscaster. And, you know, when I was in high school, I was emailing like broadcasters on AOL. We had AOL back then. I actually was, I actually, when I was 14, I ended up sitting in the, um, in the broadcasting booth with Kenny Albert. Cause I wrote to him on AOL and he, he, he responded to me and I was determined. I was writing letters in college. I was writing, I was networking in high school. I, I wanted to be a sportscaster and to be quite honest, I wasn't very good when I started off. I didn't have the right voice. I didn't have, I looked very young. I always looked younger than I was. And I just kept writing people and, and reaching out to people and, um, I just didn't give up. I, I, that's the only thing I can say. Like I kept person after person. And for me, what I really fell in love with was the art of storytelling. I, I went into it to do sports casting, but then I fell in love with, with storytelling, which is, you know, a part of sports reporting, but that's the part that really connected with, with me as an adult. And um, the part about being a woman, yes, being a woman required a lot of resilience. I, um, I all growing up, I always, was very academic and I did very well in school and it was important to me to do well in school. And the more I got into sports casting and the more I got opportunities in sports casting, the more um, I felt valued for what I looked like and what I sound like as opposed to, or judged by what I look like and what I sound like, as opposed to what I offered as a writer, as a, as a reporter, as um you know, something beyond what I look like. And so that was very hard. And I think women have to deal with that a lot more than men. And then there's kind of like certain positions that don't, they put women in like the sideline role and there's nothing wrong with the sideline role, but women also want opportunities elsewhere. We want in the anchor seats and we want to be play-by-play and color analysts. And so breaking those, those glass ceilings are, are still a challenge for many women to this day and, and not being stereotyped to be just want, have one role and, and 
also, you know, getting paid the same and all these different things that these battles that we thought we fought years ago, I think women are still fighting in sports and in, and in other areas as well. Um, and so it did take a lot of resilience. And then there was a lot of, um, you know, inappropriate comments and, and other things that you I had to deal with that. And at 10 years old, I sure as heck never saw coming. I, I didn't even know that behavior existed. So fielding a lot of, um, you know, sexual harassment and things of that nature and inappropriate comments and um, things like that was also, you know, a challenge that I had to deal with throughout my career. And, you know, I met Alex covering him in Buffalo. And, you know, the reason I think part of we, we became such good friends is even, and not just Alex, but the entire UB Bulls team, they were always so respectful to me and so nice. And I, I appreciated that because not everybody was like that. You appreciate things more when you experience something different. And, and I did experience a lot of things. I experienced a lot of environments very different than the way Alex and like um, his teammates treated me. Yeah, I mean, I, I never would have imagined, you know what, that's 10 years ago or whatever, something like that, 11 years ago. But, oh my God, but it's crazy. But like, you know, the, the fact that we were able to form such a good friendship uh, even after I was done playing and, um, you know, that we are still able to communicate about so many things to this day. It's just been awesome in itself. But um, yeah, I mean, I've never, I never looked at it that way. And, you know, I don't think until like we are in a world where everybody can see it that way. I'd be like, what was it like two nights ago? It was the first all female um, baseball broadcast, like play by play broad broadcast. Yeah, um, I think but once we can get to a place where we don't have to celebrate that, like that could just be the norm yeah. is like, you know, once we can like feel like we're making progress, I think. Um, yeah. How, how did that weigh on you mentally though? Like, um, cause obviously we know how resilient you are. We know, you know, what your mindset is. But I'm sure there's had to be days where it was depressing. It did get you down, um, yeah. getting opportunities that you should have gotten, but were passed yeah. up for male counterparts. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the world isn't fair for anyone. I'm sure. Um, I do remember calling my dad once up and being like, "Dad, 60% of this is a dream come true, and the other 40% is sexual harassment." <laughs> like, I mean, it was it was exhausting, and then you spend a lot of energy. Um, managing dealing with that stuff and you don't um you don't focus on it takes away from the actual work right like you, you know it, it it's that it's hard uh but i just it, it was just part of the journey it was part of my journey and the one thing i'm very proud to say is that no matter what was thrown at me and no matter what I encountered, I never gave up. I never said, I'm not coming back tomorrow or I'm not gonna deal with this or I, I fought. And, and I'm so proud um, that I stuck with it and that I followed my dream and, and that I accomplished what I had set out to accomplish. And then I also found something that I never imagined that I love equally or possibly even more um, in my company. It just, I always say like, Sports casting was my little girl dream, but um, this is my this is my purpose. What I found out with my company, so it, it led me to something that I couldn't even imagine as a child because I I didn't know my other interests and my other passions that would develop in the years following. 
Yeah, that's that's so that's so that's so crazy that like like Newt alluded to, like once we get to a place where we're not celebrating the things that <laughs> that seem unnormal, um, like an all-female uh, play-by-play for an MLB game, I think that we'll be in a better place. But to to have to live through that and to be as successful as you are, that speaks to, you know, everything mm-hmm. about you. Um, but you talked about your company. So well, let's get into that. But let's backtrack a little bit to like what led you to start the unsealed so let like because I know this is when we get really into like your story and how you became the person you are so kind of can you talk a little bit about what led you to start the unsealed and what actually is the unsealed yeah so there's like so many pieces to this but right um, right right it's a really open-ended question so like you can kind of take it and do what you want no but it's just like I feel like I always say life is poetic but you don't realize it rhymes till you read it backwards. And there was just like so many pieces of my life that were all over the place that came together in a way that feels so meant to be. But I, you know, when I used to say all the time, like someday I'm going to live on the beach and have my own business. And I had no idea what I was talking about, but I would just say that. (laughs) And so, you know, that I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I read Ted Turner's book in fifth grade and I read it in like, a day and I'm like 11 and I was just so fascinated how he built the business. So I think I always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug, but then, um, when I was in Cleveland, I met a woman named Gab Cruz and, um, and she did, I did, I met her at a basketball game and we started talking and turns out she was in an abusive relationship. And when she came out of that, she became a rock star track runner and broke all the school records and became an all American. And I thought her story was pretty powerful. And I asked her to do an interview and she told me, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want his parents to see it. I don't want my parents to see it. I don't want to see myself talking about this on TV. Like, no, no, and no. And I was like, all right. So then a few months later, she like called me and she was like, Hey Lauren, are you still interested in sharing my story? And I was like, of course. So she comes in or we actually did the interview at her school and she is raw and emotional and powerful and so vulnerable. Her story was incredible. It came out so good and it ended up being the talk of Cleveland for weeks. So after she does did the story about opening up about being in this abusive relationship, I went to lunch with her and I said, why did you change your mind about sharing your story? You know, after being so against sharing it and now then being so open and so honest. And she said, Lauren, I realized that it was the silence of victims or I realized that it's the silence of victims that allow predators to continue their predatory behavior. And it, it was like, it stopped me in my tracks, this statement. It was like throwing like a ton of bricks on me. Like I was like, oh my God because I had asked her to share her story and I was living with a secret of my own. Um, When I was 16 years old, I went to a party with two friends and two of my best friends at the time and kids from another school showed up. They drugged us. I didn't know my friends were drugged until years later, but all three of us were drugged. And I woke up um, on a bed in the middle of being assaulted by two strangers. And I was very sedated. I couldn't fight back. I could barely move. Um, it was pretty bad and it was pretty horrific in many ways. And I just couldn't, for years, I didn't tell anyone at all. By my mid twenties, I told my parents. And by the time I met Gab, you know, my, my circle knew, but it wasn't beyond that. And when she said that statement, that it's the silence of victims of the, that can, that allow predators to continue their predatory behavior. 
I just felt like I had to say something like it was, I had to do something. So a few months after that, I decided to write an open letter to sexual assault survivors telling them what happened to me. And I spent a lot of time on this letter and it, I still to this day, I think it's one of the best things I've written and certainly one of the most um, life-changing and most important things I've written as far as my life goes. And I published the letter and it went viral around the country. And I had men, women, teenagers, whoever, writing to me, thanking me, telling me that the same thing happened to them or their mothers or that, or their children and how reading my story meant so much to them. And as empowering as it was for other people, it was extremely empowering for me to write. It was like I had let a skeleton out of my closet, only it wasn't my skeleton and it wasn't my fault. It was a huge weight lifted. And I was like, well, what if I could use my ability to tell a story, to lift these burdens off of other people and to share other people's stories? What if I can lend my ability to write and tell a story to other people's voices? How powerful would that be? And that's when I started to really um, come up, start to brainstorm about ideas organically. I was like, maybe I'll do a show, maybe I'll do this. And then it just hit me like letters, like I'll just help people write letters. And I created a company called The Unsealed where I do just that. I help people write open letters about their lives, about the different challenges they faced, about how they overcame them. And um, the letters aim to help other people. They people write them to family members or they write them to the younger generation or to um, people who shared a similar challenge that they shared. And the stories are all meant to be inspirational and all meant to help people in one way or another to further our world. Some of the stories are about equality and the challenges people face with inequality, whether it be sexism, racism, or um, LGBTQ plus community. And it's really meant to show the humanity in all of us and to build compassion and build strength and build inspiration. And it's just been, um, it's hard. It, building a business is no freaking joke. It's really hard work. as hard as I worked before. It's, I've never worked quite this much in my life, but I feel like I found something that was, that I didn't know what was meant, was meant for me, but it absolutely is meant for me. Like all these puzzle pieces that I didn't know were puzzle pieces just came together. And I was like, this, this is it. And I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I just have such a strong belief that it will, because it feels, it feels what I would imagine it would be like to meet your soulmate. Like, it feels just like, this is, this is me. Like this company is who I am. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry for the very good answer. Yeah. I mean, from experience, like, obviously I know firsthand how amazing your company is. Um, I mean, obviously I know in the beginning, uh, we did, or we did a letter together, um, you know, about my struggles with addiction uh, you know, talking about my son and everything like that. Um, but your first letter, and I know we talked about this in the past. I know we discussed this, but your first letter, um, like honestly, like saved my life in so many ways. Cause obviously, I mean, I know, you know, the experience that we talked about that I went through, um, involving, you know, sexual assault and everything like that, um, that literally like almost completely like derailed me all the way. Um, but yeah, like it was literally just, just to read your experience and to like, see like a, that side of it. Um, it did, it did so much for me. Um, mm -hmm. but you obviously know you're helping so many people, um, <laughs> all across the world. Um, but what, what does that feel like? You know, like, like 
how like you know just talk about like the emotion behind that like when you do get somebody reaching out to you like thank you like you saved my life like you changed my life forever like what what does that give you you know yeah I mean I always try to tell people because there was a couple people who said that I've literally saved their life and I I don't believe that anyone else can save someone else's life you can only save yourself but what I do is I, I help you see yourself for who you who you are and I help you kind of give you the vision and the hope and the inspiration so that so that you can save yourself and to be a part of that journey for people and to allow them to do that I mean I I title my mode I give speeches at school and I, I call my speech how my secret became my superpower and I truly believe that I turned the most horrific thing that has ever happened to me this complete nightmare into something so incredible and so powerful that it it gives this pain like my pain isn't pain anymore it's purpose and it's power and it's um it just feels like i don't it, it just feels good it, it it's taken away all of the pain that i was holding inside of me and turned it into a superpower and i'm happy that, that superpower um, helps other people and and hopefully makes the world a better place. I, I talked to um, Joshua a little bit this about this before we were um, before we were recording, and I said, you know, as I didn't tell anyone about my assault for for nine years, and the type of crime that was committed against me, and the type of assault, most of the time, people who do that don't do it just once, and right. I knew that. Now. As a sexual assault survivor, it's not my responsibility and it's no survivor's responsibility to make sure nobody else, that the predators don't continue to, to do bad things. It's, it's their responsibility to behave. But even with that said, I felt um, after I was feeling better myself, after I had told my family, I was carrying with me this burden of like, what if there's another girl out there that didn't get better and that is hurting right now because I didn't stop these two boys. And so for me, writing my letter, speaking out, um, helping people, it's to honor that girl, honor that person if, if she's out there. I hope she's not, but that was just something I was carrying with me. And I don't think sexual survivors should carry with them that, but that's what I was carrying with me. And that this was my way of, of making it right within myself um no yeah for sure and then i know you this conversation was years ago uh between you and i lauren um but for like other survivors and other people who have gone through what you went through um i remember you telling me at one point that you felt guilty and you almost blamed yourself to a degree and then I know you remember, I remember you telling me you had a conversation with your parents or I don't know, I think it was your mom. Um, and you're able to kind of set that free. Um, you know, just explain yeah. to somebody who could be struggling with this right now. Like, yeah. Uh, so I actually just wrote about this. And I was telling Josh that I've never really talked about this publicly. Um, and I just wrote about it in a speech and I realized how important it is. I probably should talk about it publicly, but you know, there's a, there's a secret within the secret of sexual assault. And, and for me, it was that during my assault, I didn't feel pain. Like I actually felt pleasure. Like I got turned on. It wasn't pleasurable, but my, my body was turned on and I didn't understand that. Like 
I was like, I, you know, I'm 16 years old. I'm a virgin. I, I don't even know these people's names. I can't see their faces. Like they're literally strangers attacking me. I don't know how I got into this room and my body is reacting in a way that I can't control. And I'm like, what the F is going on here? And for a 16 year old who was, who was just traumatized, it was too much to process. And because my body reacted in a way that I didn't want it to, um, I felt a lot of guilt. Uh, I felt a lot of dislike toward my body. I felt a, a strong desire to figure out how to control my body. And I had really bad stomach aches. I threw up every day for like a few years um, after my assault, many years after my assault. And I thought I was sick. I thought I had a, something wrong. And I went to doctors and had tests and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I couldn't connect with the assault. I just was like, I have a bad stomach. I don't know why something's wrong. Do I have a tumor? Do I have this? And, and everything came up for the most part fine. Um, and then when I told my mom about my assault when I was 24, I believe. And then I think I told her when I was 25 about how my body reacted to the assault. And right away, my mom, who is, you know, thank God, thank God for my mom said, oh, that's normal. Like she has a master's in psychology. She's like, that's how your body responds. It's like Pavlov's dog. And like, yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's not your fault. Like that's, that's completely normal. And I was like, really? She's like, totally not your fault. Totally normal during assault. And then I looked it up and started doing research about it. Um, and found out it, it is normal and it's science has confirmed it time and time again. And all of a sudden, I never had a stomach ache again. I never, I gained back, I had lost 30 pounds and you know, like I'm thin Alex, you've seen yeah. me. I was 30 pounds lighter than I am right now. That's crazy. 30 pounds, I'm 140 pounds right now. I was at my lowest, I was 112, 113. So 27, 28 pounds lighter. I was That's sick yeah. and literally um, to the day that I told my mom that I never got sick again. What was that like to like, to let that go? It was, you know, it, my body reacted more than my mind did. You know, I didn't cry. Yeah. You know, today I've never had like a good, good cry about my assault. And I don't know why it just has never um, manifested itself in that way, but my body reacted. I mean, I felt better. I had turned, I, I became healthy again. And so I think it was more of a release for my body than anything else. And I think I, I let go of a lot of anxiety after that. I think there was a lot of like subconsciously me trying to like control my body and control like everything around me. And a lot of my anxiety went, go, went, went away and that self-blame and self-guilt and all that stuff that just was like, oh, it's not my fault. And I was telling jo uh, Josh too, that I had once read and I don't know how, how true this is or if it, what it is, but I did read it once. And I was like, you know what, I'm going with this because it makes me feel better. But it's this idea that um, the reason women get turned on during assault is it's actually an evolutionary thing because women were raped so many times throughout history that it's a way to protect our bodies. Cause if we didn't, we would be injured. So the idea that my body was actually protecting me and not working against me uh, made me feel a lot better. Amazing. I was like, oh, not powerful. Like oh, my body's helping me. And I felt like it's not going against me. And so, you know, that's, that's when I let, like, I felt less guilt. I felt, I didn't feel much as much at fault. I mean, I still felt like I shouldn't have been drinking, but, yeah. um, you know, I let, I let go of a lot of the self, um, this self hate or the self, you know, doubt or 
self-blame, a lot of those negative feelings was all let go in a, in a moment. Right. I, I, one more comment and I'll let Josh get us back on track here. But um, yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, it just, it's sickening that like one like that, like literally like that, that, that is science. Like, like you just said, like it's an evolutionary thing. Like it's just like disgusting that that's even a thing. Um, but I mean, I can relate like to a similar, like I had like extreme anxiety for four and a half years after like the event that took place in my life. Um, like literally like the worst anxiety. And it just wasn't until someday, one day, like my therapist, like four and a half years later, just said like, Alex, like you're suffering from PTSD from that specific event. But so many told, so many people told me like, like I shouldn't be suffering, like stop worrying about, like, you know what I'm saying? But for somebody to just be like, you're having PTSD, it's related to this, like you're, it's going to be like, it's, you're okay to feel that way. And then all of a sudden, like all my anxiety just went away and it's just like, everything was just like, okay. Like I stopped hating the world as much. I stopped despising every guy I looked at as much. I mean, there's still a lot of that there, but I mean, I can definitely relate like to a, a small, small degree, you know? Yeah. I mean, the mind and body are so connected and, and, you know, we're like, you, we all go through different life experiences and different traumas and, and no one's is worse or better. Or I, I don't think, you know, everyone's experiences are just different, but I think we can all relate on some level to having feelings of, we can all relate to pain. And I think no matter who you are to heal your pain, you have to face your pain. You have to acknowledge it. You have to look it in the eye. And, and that's, that's when you begin to really heal. Yeah. consciously or consciously for me it was some, everything happened on such a subconscious level and then I look back and I'm like this all makes sense now sorry I got a dog in the background coughing up the water he just drank sorry I got a kid yelling my name <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know if you guys can hear him but he's he's doing his thing no no you're you're all right but yeah no no news man i I love the questions are always great um laura so you talk a lot about um you know dealing with trauma and how so consciously like your body reacted in a way that you did not know right and how important it is to kind of talk about your experiences so what advice would you give for to young like women out there who have experienced because this obviously and unfortunately, this does is not just uh, happens a little bit. This happens a lot, right? How do you how do you empower women to kind of speak up? And what would you say to somebody who hears a woman speak up, right? Because you told you spoke to your mom, and she, she the, when she said that that your body's natural reaction that kind of freed you, right? So, what would you say yeah. to young? Um, you know, women coming up who experiences and then somebody who kind of hears a woman's experience. Yeah. To someone who I'm going to start with the one to someone who hears when someone tells you their experience for me, just, just show compassion. Don't just be compassionate, be kind. Um, you don't have to understand exactly. Like some people are like, why did you wait to set so long to tell someone? And why did you do this? Like, don't question someone's reaction because in all likelihood, like they might not be able, be able to understand it or explain it because our bodies don't, our minds 
react to trauma however they want. Like you don't really choose like, Hey, I'm going to hold this in for nine years. And then I'm going to tell someone like, it's not a plan. It's just, it's just how your mind reacts. So like, don't ask questions to like in interrogate people, just be compassionate, be understanding, um, and be supportive to someone. I think that that's all, that's all I've ever kind of wanted or needed. And I've been really lucky to have, um, really great, boyfriends who've always just been really kind and really compassionate and um really like no one, no one ever ever made me feel like oh my god like that happened to you like oh like you know like don't like I never felt like they, it scared them away which also was was nice um and then for someone who's experienced it I would say be kind to yourself it's not your fault however you if you want to if you keep it in for nine months, nine years, whatever, however you process it, like that's, that's your journey and that's okay. Um, and give yourself the time you need, make yourself the priority. I mean, I always said like, I couldn't help anybody else until I could heal myself first. Right. Like I couldn't help myself, anybody else when I'm 112 pounds and throwing up every day, like I couldn't, but once I could, once I came on the other side of that, then I could be an advocate and do all these things. So heal yourself first, focus on you, do what's ever best for you, whether that's filing charges or not filing charges or whatever, just focus on what is best for you and then find ways to express yourself. I think everyone expresses themselves a little bit differently and find what works best for you. Um, for me, I describe it as the way I express myself is through writing. So if there's a door in my brain, the only, only door that's open is the one that's like where I write. So that's how things come out. Like if they don't come out in other ways for me. So for me, the most effective way to get something that's internal out, especially the, for the first time is to write it down for someone else. It might be music for someone else. It might be art for someone else. It might be therapy, figure out what works for you and, and use that as a, a safe space for healing, a safe space to open up a safe space to not be judged. And I think that will really, really benefit somebody who's, who's struggling and, and not just with sexual assault, but any, any sort of a trauma, any sort of struggle, any sort of, um, abuse and, and just know that you can be okay. You can get past this and you can be stronger and more powerful than you can ever even imagine in, in this moment of struggle. Yeah. I, uh, no, I, I love every like word that you just said. Um, uh, it's just yeah, it's so important. So just for them to know, like they're not alone. Um, you know, like that's just it's so key at the end of the day. Um, uh, yeah, this is a, you know, I mean, this is just like a, a topic that's that's tough. Um, for you know, whatever. Um, how how did you start to like trust again? How did you start to trust situations, trust people? Because um, that's no small task. Like when you go through something as traumatic as that. Um, you know, some people never trust again. So I guess, first of all, do you have more trust, um, you yeah. know, in your surroundings and people around you, but like, how did you get there? So my, my lack of trust or my struggles were really fears about my safety. So like, and to this day, if, if we hang out, I'll be like, Hey, can you walk me to my car? Not as bad as I was when I was younger, where I couldn't do, I was really paralyzed by the fear, but I definitely, um, 
that was a really big struggle for me was, was scared of my safety, scared of walking places. When I was in college, I would make my boyfriend, like if he, if I was going to stay in his dorm room that night, like he would have to like walk to my dorm and, and our dorms were like a two minute walk apart. Like they were right there, but I would make him walk to my dorm, come get me and then walk me back to his. I just couldn't, I couldn't walk alone at night as for trusting people. So you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I think that I did not know the people who did this to me. And when I say I did not know them, I don't know their names. I don't know what they look like. I don't know where they're from. I mean, I have maybe a vague idea that they were from the county that I went to high school in, but like, I really don't know who they were. Like, it wasn't a situation where like we were flirting and then like somehow I ended up, I was talking to someone in their group of friends, but that was not the person that assaulted me. That person actually came in the room after and, and helped me get dressed. But I have no idea who assaulted me. I have absolutely no idea. So I've always had really great friends and boyfriends and parents and and people around me. So those relationships, like intimate relationships and like anyone close to me, I didn't have as much trust issues in those situations because the people who hurt me, I didn't know. It was I wasn't betrayed how some people are. It wasn't like somebody that I, I was dating and then all of a sudden they did this to me and turned into a monster it really was complete and utter strangers. And the people that I did know were protective and loving. I mean, I was on and off with a guy in high school and if he would have found out who they were like, and I had told him, I hadn't told him until years later, um, he would have like found them and like probably went to jail for like, for me. Um, so yeah. I, I didn't have, I had such good relationships with people I did know. I never. I don't think it affected my ability to trust people um, that I actually had relationships with, whether it be friends, boyfriends, or or whatever. The where it really affected me was the fear of like my safety, uh, going places by myself, uh, staying home alone in the house, um, things like that. And what helped me was my career. I really wanted to be a sportscaster, and I had to get out of my comfort zone. To, to become a sportscaster. I had, if I wanted to be a sportscaster, I had to be able to walk in a parking lot at night because games were at night and I had to be able to get from my car to the arena and then my arena, the arena back to my car. So I, I just kind of had to like suck it up and, and be uncomfortable. And sometimes I'd be uncomfortable to the point where like I'd get to my car and I just like cry and like, as, cause I was scared. Like I was just, it was like a relief. So, um, so it got better as the more I did it, just time, just time and continuing to go outside of my comfort zone. But I mean, to this day, I, I don't park in parking lots. I don't like them. Like, I don't like, I mean, like indoor parking lots. I, you know, there's certain things where I'm just probably more cautious than the average person, but not to the point where it's debilitating to my life or like paralyzing to, to me in any way. Like I could, I still can do everything that everyone else does. I go out, I have fun, I go in Ubers, but I, I do have take probably an extra layer of precaution that other people may not take. That's, that's so, that's so powerful. And it's, and it's such a shame, but it just shines a, a little glimpse on what women have to go through on a regular basis, right? You talk about the fear of walking alone, the fear of like the guilt in, in in society, we blame the victims and the women for so much that they have no control over, right? You hear so many times somebody was like, well, this person was sexually assaulted. Well, what were they wearing? What were they doing? Um, 
And you know, and, and that's that's such bull crap, like bullshit that we even have that's to bullshit. ask that. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's bullshit. That's why you guys are my friends. <laughs> but no, but I mean that that that's so that's so true. And and like that, so we get a small glimpse of that. And uh, not not to take away from that, but you 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 had a great career, and you've covered a lot of different sporting events and you met a lot of different great people who and you may not get starstruck but who is somebody that you met and you're like wow I can't believe like I'm talking to you right now um well starstruck was I did get starstruck once and I actually unfortunately didn't really couldn't talk to him but it was Muhammad Ali and I don't know if it oh, was wow. because yeah like I, because I thought you were going to say Alex Newt's spark. Yeah, well, that, that's Alex. next. That's Newt. You're next, <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> but Muhammad only had a presence about him. And at this point, he, he couldn't speak, but he was still like motioning, boxing. But he had such a presence. And I don't know if the presence stemmed from me knowing so much about him and, and who he was and what he stood for, or if he really had, a, like, if I would have felt that presence if I knew nothing about him. But it, to me, that was a little bit of a, a pinch me. Wow, this is Muhammad Ali moment. And, and I always admired his work. And, um, and then another person I met in college, uh, I actually went to her book signing. And I teared up when I met her and it was Billie Jean King. And Billie Jean King fought for a lot of um, equality for women. And so I felt like she was paving the way for my journey and what I was pursuing. So I was really honored to meet her and and really respected her fight and what she represented and how much she fought for for women um so those were two kind of people where i was like starstruck and then the other situation like i mean i've met everyone like lebron james michael jordan peyton manning baker mayfield like i've met all the big stars and i think for me the most impactful stories were you know ones like ab stories that just had a lot of meaning had a lot of um vulnerability people who people who are very vulnerable with me people who are very honest and people who've overcome tremendous obstacles I think the stories that I've told about other people and how other people have opened up to me I think they're the fuel for my for my strength now I think they're the ones who really say like if, if they can do it I can do it and if this person did this and that person did that and this person went through this and then did that I can do this and I can fight and I can push forward and I can be happy so I've drawn so much strength for all, for people's stories and for just people who've been really transparent and open with me and have overcome so much, whether they're famous and on a professional team or if they're a, a kid in high school who, who just has had a, a tough go but never gave up. Now you've done like so much. Um, you've been all over the country. Um, what, what would you say to like the young girl out there um, or e even somebody who's like, you know, older? Because um, you are someone, you've proven it time and time again that you're not afraid to take risks. Um, you know, even though you had, to, you were super close with your parents, you were not afraid to move away and try and try and try, keep pushing and then keep trying some more. But what would you say to like the girls out there and even the guys who are afraid to make this next step or afraid to really take this risk like what, what would be your advice to them just go for it just do it <laughs> as nike said i mean i try to live my life with a lot of courage because every time i've exhibited courage in my life i've had a positive outcome i've never regretted going after something or doing something or trying something and 
I don't know. I just think on when you live your life with courage, you live some a much fuller life of like leaving your comfort zone. It 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 challenges you. It shows you like you don't know what you're capable of unless you keep pushing yourself. Like I didn't know if I could start a business. Well, now I know I can start a business. I don't know how much I can build a business, but I'm going to keep working to figure <laughs> out, you know, I'm going to find out. I mean, when I, when I got into Columbia, um, I was actually waitlisted at Columbia and I got in, in like June of my senior year and my brother went there as well. And I thought my brother was way smarter than me. And I was like, I am not going to be able to like do this work. And I'm not going to be able to keep up with the other kids. there. like, they're definitely smarter than me. I'm not smart enough to go. And my brother was like, yeah, you are like, like if you, if you decide not to go, you'll regret returning down this opportunity for the rest of your life. He's like, you can do it. I promise you like go. And my brother isn't a, like, I believe in you, rah, rah, cheerleader type of guy. He's very logical. So if he didn't think I could do it, he'd be like, yeah, this isn't a good idea. <laughs> he would just say it. So he's yeah. like, so I went and my first two years I did okay. And then my second two years, I pretty much got straight A's my junior and senior years. And um, I did very well. I actually graduated with the same GPA as my brother. And I didn't realize that until recently. But anyway, um, what I realized well, is, bragging? yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I just, I was like, he was so much smarter than me. And then he told me his GPA. I was like, wait, that was my GPA. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, so that was funny. I didn't know that until like a year ago and we're, we've been out of college for quite some time, but, um, but I, what I said when I was at graduating, I remember I said to someone, you know, when I went to Columbia, I didn't know what to expect for myself, but when I graduated, I had come to expect to surprise myself. And that's how I live my life. Like, I don't know what I'm capable of, but I know that if I push myself really hard, I'll probably surprise myself. You know, like I expect to do things that I don't even know that I can do in this moment. So you don't, you won't surprise yourself unless you actually put yourself out there. And like, you just don't know what you're capable of until you, until you, show, until you prove it, until you show yourself, until you challenge yourself. Like when the challenge arises, you, you got to see what happens. And we're survivors as humans. Like we're built to like survive. And so when we're in push comes to shove situations, more than likely we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. So you, you go after what you want and, and let yourself figure it out. And then like, you'll grow so much from that, but don't be afraid to have courage. Like courage, courage will allow you to see the world and experience the world and learn about yourself and find out what you're, you can do in ways that you don't in, in ways and in, in doing, it'll allow you to see yourself and the world um, in a way that's beyond what you can imagine. Like you actually have to go and, and take have courage and take those risks and, and go after different things. No, I, I absolutely love that. I think I think so many times we, we doubt ourselves and we put the fear of failure um, before the like what we could do successfully, right? Like we, we let the fear of failure outweigh the the outcome that could possibly lead us to a life-changing moment so I truly love that Lauren and I think that that says a lot about you as a person um so no, thank you for joining us uh real quick fun question and then we can kind of you know can go from there but like Alex asked us the very first episode so we kind of keep it going like what is your favorite food mm, what is my favorite food 
I mean, I like probably um, probably lobster. I like lobster. lobster. Damn. Lobster. All right, okay. you're day. I see a girl. <laughs> uh, lobster. Yeah. I mean, I I don't order it very often because it's like super expensive. But like when I do have lobster, it's like such a treat. Sorry, if you guys can hear my dog barking. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I so love lobster. Lobster, maybe sushi. All right. So two two questions. Then we can we can wrap this up. One, how does it feel to be getting interviewed by me for once? You know, I think you're I think you're better at this than I am. I it feels <laughs> awesome. It feels you know, awesome. Uh, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that like, we are still friends. We're still in touch. Like our relationship has like blossomed. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. You're good. This dog wanted to leave and then he wanted to come back. So sorry. Now he's back. No, you're good. But yeah, no, I, I love it. I'm proud of you. I'm glad we're friends and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that you're a part of my journey and you've supported every single thing that I've done. And I think you know, when you do challenge yourself and you do go on these like journeys where you really don't know the outcome and you have friends and you have people in your life that are just like, I got you. I support you. I'm here for you. What, what do you need? Yeah, it just feels that. Feels I really remember special. when you were talking about doing the unsealed and like you like called me and I was like, screw it. Like what? Like, what do you mean? Just do it. Really? Like you're going to kill it. Like I wasn't, it, like, it wasn't even a question at that point. Like I was so confident. Like I already like knew so, like your story and so much. I was like, I was like, oh my God, stop worrying, Lauren. You got this, girl. I appreciate you. I, I, I love you guys. You guys are just such great friends and great people. And I'm, I'm so grateful that not only did our paths cross, but like we've maintained friendships and we've maintained like just supporting each other. It's just, yeah, it's no, for sure. All right. Last question. Uh, tell the world your obsession <laughs> with rollerblading. Oh my God, I love to rollerblade. <laughs> bro, I, I, Newt, I'm so glad you asked that, bro, because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, rollerblades, oh, like, rollerblades, yeah. but you absolutely love it. So. I love it. Like, that is my, like, happy place. Like, if someone has, like, a place where they go where they're just like, oh, everything is good now. Like, that is my, that is my happy, and it's been that way for a long time. Like, my, my brother was a hockey player, and he started rollerblading and I was like, I can keep up with you. And so like, that's how I started rollerblading is rollerblading with my, my brother. And he doesn't rollerblade anymore. Just me and every, people make fun of me. They're like, that's so 90. <laughs> and like my parents make me wear a helmet. So like I'm out with my helmet, my rollerblades. I think I look awesome, but everyone's like, this is, and I, I like, I make videos now. Cause I'm Yo, just so proud of it. <laughs> and I have like a bunch and I should and I'll be out and I'll meet people I'm like hey check my rollerblading out <laughs> when you when you posted a video it. and you like slid stop into like the, uh, the the post office box to drop the letter oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. well, and the thing is too like you know I didn't play sports in college but I was super athletic as a kid and I feel like it's so much a part of who I am is like being athletic but like a lot of people don't know that and I'm really feminine looking and I wear lots of dresses and wear lots of makeup so like I like to show people like no no I'm like I'm athletic like I'm strong like <laughs> like I, I can be both <laughs> no 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 it, it shows it shows if uh <laughs> if there was ever a rollerblading 
competition, I would put my money on you for sure. Um, but no, for real, uh, Lauren, as always, such a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, listen, thank everybody. you for having Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, everybody, you can stay up to date on all our podcast releases on our Instagram page. It is at no underscore bull underscore podcast. Um, another fantastic episode with my co-host Josh Copeland. Uh, thank you guys all for tuning in and checking it out and uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, yes. We'll see y'all. Lauren, real quick before we go, tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they yeah. can find you. Your Instagram, Facebook, uh, website, yeah. all that. So, oh, I have so many stuff. I got theunsealed.com T-H-E-U-N S-E-A-L-E-D.com. And if you guys want to share your story, you guys can sign up, become a member and share your story. You can submit it in our contest. I can help you write it, whatever you guys want. You can reach out to me right on the site. There's a little message box there too. Um, Instagram is um, either the unsealed, T-H-E dot unsealed. And uh, Instagram for my personal page is Lauren or Lore.Brill, L-A-U-R.B-R-I-L-L. And Twitter is underscore Lauren Brill and at the unsealed. And I think that's it. And then you can find me on Facebook. Just type in Lauren Brill or the unsealed. We're going to post all the links uh, to her stuff on our Instagram uh, and social media as well, just to make it a little bit easier um, just to, uh, to help that out. Cause that was, that was a lot of information. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just, just, just Google Lauren Brill. You'll find me. Yeah. There you go. Well, no, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a blessed day, blessed weekend. Uh, Until next time, y'all. Peace out.